0: Opening music in WaveScan this week is the national anthem of the independent island nation of the Maldives. The title for their national anthem, when translated into English, states, "We salute you, O homeland, in unity." Welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 640 for release on Sunday, May 30th, 2021. On the program today, the radio scene in the lonely, isolated Maldive Islands. Aaron Castillo will talk with Marty Voll of the American Radio Relay League and more on wave scan today <laughs> The Maldives are a lonely and isolated cluster of islands that lie towards the southern end of a very long series of underwater mountains on the western side of the Indian subcontinent. This island chain stretches for 1,000 miles from the Aminadivi Islands in the extreme north to the Chagos Islands in the extreme south. Ray Robinson of KVOH has more about the Maldive Islands.
1: Thanks, Jeff. According to some historians, that long line of three islandic countries on the west side of the Indian subcontinent were all classified anciently as one contiguous whole, and they were all originally identified collectively back then as Lakshadweep. These days, however, three different political entities hold control of this lengthy cluster of sparsely separated islands and tropical atolls. Beginning at the north, the three separate islandic units are identified as the Indian-administered Lakshadweep Islands, then to the south the independent Maldive Islands, and then further south again to Diego Garcia in the Chagos Islands that are in dispute between the UK and Mauritius. In 2019 we covered the radio scene in Diego Garcia, and in 2019 and 2020 we covered the Lakshadweep Islands, so now it's the turn of the Maldives in the middle. Only occasionally do the Maldive Islands feature in international news. One major occasion was the Indonesian tsunami in 2004, in which massive waves up to 14 feet high swelled up from the ocean and spread over most of the islands in that low-level islandic country. A total of 39 islands were badly damaged, 14 were completely destroyed, and a few minor islands were completely washed away. The China virus was first diagnosed in the Maldives on March seventh last year, 2020, after an Italian tourist left a holiday resort island and returned to Europe. Four days later, several of the resort islands were closed down, and the resident visitors were required to remain in quarantine. However, the Maldivian government provided extra funding for the tourists during their unexpectedly extended vacation. Another international news event that occurred in the Maldives Islands was the plunging of the Chinese rocket into the Indian Ocean off the coast of the Maldive Islands earlier this month on Saturday, May the 8th. This huge 22-ton rocket crashed into the ocean so close to the Maldive Islands, a little southwest of the capital island Malé, that the event was filmed and the explosive sound was recorded on camera. The small islandic nation known as the Maldives lies about 450 miles southwest of India and Sri Lanka, and it's made up of 26 coral atolls with 1,192 islands, 200 of which are inhabited. The total area of all of the islands is just 120 square miles, with a population around half a million. The capital city is Malay Island, though nearby is a newly developed suburban city that's built on an artificial island created from sand that's been dredged from the ocean floor. Due to global warming and the slowly rising ocean levels, many of the Maldives Islands will one day be flooded. In 2008, the Maldivian government offered to buy land in Sri Lanka, or India, or Australia, or in Africa, and transfer their entire population to a new location. Instead, though, they're now building new islands above the flood level within their own territory. During World War II, the British began the construction of a highly secretive naval base at Gan Island in the south of the Maldive Islands. Identified only as Port T., This highly classified operation was intended as a backup if the Singapore naval base were to fall to the Japanese and if the Trincomalee naval base in Sri Lanka were to become vulnerable to Japanese attack. The secretive port T at Gann was open to both the British-operated Royal Navy and Royal Air Force from 1941 to 1945. The radio communication station at Gan then operated eight shortwave transmitters, mostly lower powered as a security precaution, together with eight shortwave receivers. And then, eleven years after the end of World War II in 1956, the British government received approval from the Maldivian government to reopen and rebuild their base on Gan Island as a permanent Air Force facility. This government approval also allowed for the construction of a large radio communication station on nearby Hittadu Island. This shortwave facility contained at least seven transmitters two Marconis at thirty kilowatts each, one Collins at thirty kilowatts, two Rakels at seven and a half kilowatts, and one at one kilowatt. Seven years later, in mid nineteen sixty three, A small, unofficial volunteer radio broadcasting station was installed at the RAF base on Gan Adu Island. This low-powered medium-wave station provided entertainment and information for the benefit of the British personnel in the area, and it escaped international attention throughout its entire eight-year lifetime. However, in 1970, a regular British Forces broadcasting station, BFBS, was installed on Gan Island, with 250 watts on 1215 kHz, the same frequency as BBC Radio 1 back home. Three years later, the radio equipment was upgraded to 600 watts on 1560 kHz, and the station was then heard quite widely in the Indian Ocean areas. During the three-year period extending from 1971 to 1973, BFBS-GAN was a joint operation between BFBS and the American AFRS radio system. However, this unique radio broadcasting station was closed forever in 1976, when the entire RAF base was closed and transferred to the Maldivian government. These days, the whole area is an international tourist location. And we'll have more about the radio scene in the Maldives Islands in a future edition of Wavescan. For now, back to you, Jeff.
0: Thank you, Ray. Ray Robinson there at KVOH in Los Angeles. Well, Aaron Castillo's guest today on WaveScan is Marty Wool N6VI, a long-standing member of the American Radio Relay League, or ARRL, the premier amateur radio organization in the United States. Marty has been involved in all aspects of the amateur radio scene, from getting the highest radio license to contesting working with Disaster Response and becoming the Vice Director of the Southwestern Division of the ARRL for nine years. In Aaron's interview from his Electronic Echoes program on kpcradio.com in Los Angeles, he discusses the basics of shortwave and amateur radio, and will learn about all the cool things you can do with a transmitter
2: and some know-how.
3: Hello and welcome to the show, Marty.
2: Hello, Aaron. It's nice to be here
3: with you. Before we can get into the specifics, we got to find a lot of these terms that are in amateur radio that are very, very specific. So first, could you please explain what is a ham band and why does it matter?
2: Sure. Uh, The Amateur Radio Service is a licensed service, and the Federal Communications Commission, or FCC basically regulates the, all the non-governmental radio usage in the United States and its territories. It sets aside certain frequencies for uh, certain services. For example, uh, if you have an AM radio Uh, goes from 530 to 1700 and some kilohertz, okay? That segment of the radio spectrum is set aside for AM broadcast services, and they license the various uh, uh, stations. Then you have shortwave broadcasting, uh, which is... One broadcasting, by the way, it means one way communication amateurs do not broadcast we transmit, but we don't broadcast because we only we always transmit in expectation of a reply on the radio. So there are foreign, uh, there are broadcast stations, for example, Voice of America and others. Uh, And of course, the United States is one of many countries that use those shortwave broadcast bands. And uh, then for the amateur service the FCC set aside little slices of spectrum from just above the AM broadcast band going all the way up through microwaves and actually into light. And each of these little segments has different characteristics and can be used for different purposes. Now, anybody can listen on any of the amateur bands or actually any of the HF bands. You don't need a license. But to transmit... Within those frequency segments that are authorized for amateur radio use, uh, you do need an amateur radio license. And there are are three classes of license, each one giving you additional privileges from the one
3: before. And speaking of classes, could you please explain the differences between the beginner, I believe it's the technician class, uh, up to the extra... Amateur extra class. Amateur extra, which is the highest. There
2: used to actually be six categories, and they've kind of condensed them over the years. Uh, We used to start out in a a novice class, and you were only allowed uh, a limited amount of power, I think 75 watts. And uh, you had to be crystal controlled on your transmitter, and it had to be only on certain little segments of the HF bands, and you had to use only Morse code. That's how many of us started in amateur radio. Well, obviously, things have kind of flipped on their head now. Uh, the technician or entry-level license allows you pretty much full amateur privileges in the VHF and UHF parts of the spectrum that's above the HF. And uh, we'll take a second and kind of describe those layers. But uh, it gives you full privileges and then selected privileges on little segments of the HF bands, some for Morse code, which hardly anybody uses anymore as a technician. Uh, But Other amateurs use it quite a bit. And then uh, there's a little voice segment up on uh, the band uh, referred to as 10 meters. Uh, The general class license gives you, in addition, uh, privileges for voice, code, and data on most of the HF portions of the amateur bands. Um, And then the extra class license. Has a few segments in each of those bands that's reserved just for extras, and those <laughs> tend to be at the very bottom of the voice band or the code band, as the
3: case may be. And let's take a second here to explain what we mean when we say high frequency. Sure, uh, yeah, because high, those
2: are you know, very um, high. when when in the early days of radio, um, the the uh, the areas around what is now the AM broadcast band were considered about the only useful. Segments. Actually, nothing was considered useful when it was first discovered until uh, guys like Marconi and some others figured out that you could actually uh, send messages from one place to another. It had been mostly a theoretical exercise. And then everything above that spectrum was considered more or less useless, and it was given to amateurs so that we could do with it what we wanted. Well, we showed some of the things that could be done, and they said, Oh heck we better take some of those back and use them for other purposes, so gradually, the bands that amateurs uh, had access to got shrunk or taken away, and we we retained little segments in various places uh, the, um, above the a m band it 's actually above technically above three megahertz or and, and a megahertz is just it 's a thousand kilohertz you know mega kilo you know the Greek prefixes. From 3 to 30 megahertz is considered the HF band. It's also called the shortwave band because uh, the wavelengths um, are shorter than they are for the AM broadcast band, which is kind of what they originally had in mind when they were thinking of radio. And then uh, above that, say from uh, 30 megahertz to 300 megahertz, they consider, well, that's not just high frequency, that's very high frequency or VHF. And when you got from above 300 up to about 3,000 megahertz or three gigahertz, they said, well, that's ultra high. That's UHF. Okay. Well, now you hear those terms. And in fact, uh, when somebody refers to the VHF or UHF spectrum, uh, they're talking about those ranges from 30 to 300 megahertz or 300 to 3,000. And then when you go beyond that, there are more terms that you can go on. You know, we're up into the into the terahertz or the millimeter wave bands and so on. Um, I've had a lot of fun actually working up through 10,000 megahertz, uh, which Whoa. is about the same. It's, it's near the allocation where pol- some of the police radar operates. But theirs goes about a mile. I've gone hundreds and hundreds of miles working multiple states with a couple of watts and a two-foot dish on a mountaintop. So uh, we, we can do things with radio that most users can't do just because we have the freedom as part of our license grant to experiment, to build our own antennas, build our own equipment or modify our equipment, and all of this uh, to further the level of knowledge about radio and also, of course, to provide public service, which is one of the main reasons that amateur radio exists. So when we're talking HF, we're talking basically 3 to 30 megahertz, and again, almost interchangeable with what you call the shortwave bands. So we'll focus on that because that's the subject of your of your
3: presentation. Yes. yes. Although I will say that some things like talking to the International Space Station, mm-hmm. even though they're not part of my, part of the high frequency band, they're still really, really cool. So yeah. Yep. And that, that that's
2: actually a, uh, uh, there's, there are things called repeaters and they, They're generally used in VHF and UHF and above. Um, And a repeater is basically an automated relay station that's placed up in some topographically advantaged location, could be the top of a tall building, could be a mountaintop, whatever it may be. And it allows people who might not be able to talk to each other over the radio to talk through this relay station, where you go in on one frequency and come out on another. Well, the space station has something just like that. It was put in only in the last few months, and in fact, one of my microwave friends down in uh, in San Diego, Kerry uh, Banky, built, designed, and built the power supply that runs wow. that system. Uh, he He was thinking of the astronauts because he also put in some USB uh, power connections in there, and not only does it do the things it was supposed to do, like run from both the Russian side and the American side with their different power requirements, but also he put in some extra USB connectors so the astronauts could charge their devices and they love it so but uh, that that is that is uh, uh, you go in on UHF and come out on vhf so that's it 's not h f but it is a way to talk to the space station there are. There are other amateur satellites both already up there and in process uh, that also have not exactly repeaters, but they have translators that will take a signal from one part of the band and uh, spectrum and put it out on another one so amateurs can use it to talk back and forth. I've done a little of that, too.
0: That was Marty Wool N6VI of the American Radio Relay League, speaking with Aaron Castillo. Host of Electronic Echoes on kpcradio.com in Los Angeles. We'll have more of that interview on an upcoming wave scan. Now we go to Prithiraj Pragayasta in India with our Indian DX report for this month.
3: Namaskar and welcome to this new edition of Indian DX report on Web Scan. I am Prithiraj, your host from the beautiful state of Assam. Amid present pandemic situation in India, one after another, oceanic cyclones causing damage in the western and eastern coastal areas and repeated earthquakes, often shaking the northeastern region of the country. During this emergency situation, radio is once again proven to be the best media for emergency communication. In the last episode of WebScan, you have heard one report from ASVCDXR, Jose Jacob, about how various regional stations of All India Radio had extended their regular broadcasting to keep its citizens alert during the time of Cyclone Tokte. As I am recording this episode of IDXR, another cyclone, Yes, is just passing through the coastal areas of Bay of Bengal and Bangladesh. Akazwani stations in these coastal areas are on alert mode and noted with regular alert announcements. Similarly, many regional stations of Bangladesh are also noted with Cyclone EOS-related announcements and news.
1: চট্টগ্রাম Kulna সাতক্ষীরা ও বাগেরহাট সহ দেশের করা হয়েছে আমাদের করা হয়েছে MY RECENT MEDIUM WAVE BAND
3: SCAN I have heard Bangladesh Betar Khulna on 558 kilohertz, Dhaka A on 693 kilohertz, Rajshahi on 846 kilohertz, Dhaka B on 819 kilohertz, Bangladesh Betar Chittagong on 873 kilohertz. Interestingly, two only 10 kilowatt powered stations of bangladesh betar rangpur on 1053 kilohertz and barishal on 1287 kilohertz are logged with nice reception recently here in jorhat bangladesh betar was also heard on shortwave 4750 kilohertz with nepali language service at around 1330 utc with nice and strong reception similarly some regional stations of radio nepal are also heard with nice reception here in my location radio nepal pokhara on 684 khz radio nepal kathmandu on 792 khz and radio nepal bardibas on 1143 khz running with 10 kw transmitter were also heard with news in nepali with nice and audible reception Radio Shikoji, the sea breeze from Japan was heard on Thursday the twentieth May on five nine six five kilohertz between thirteen thirty to fourteen hour UTC with nice audible reception. BBC English was logged on seven four eight five kilohertz between fifteen thirty to sixteen hour UTC with live football match commentary. Sinpo was three four three three three. Adventist World Radio in Hindi was heard between 1530 to 16-hour UTC on 15215 kHz, Sinpo 55455, and on 12060 kHz with Sinpo 45333. AWR in English with WebScan was heard on 15670 kHz between 1530 to 16-hour UTC. The Sinpo was... 45444 Voice of Korea in English was heard on 13760 kHz between 15 to 16 hour UTC Sinpo rating 33333 Voice of Mongolia in English was heard between 1530 to 16 hour UTC on 12015 kHz with Sinpo 34343 World Christian Broadcast via KNLS was heard on English between 14 to 1430 UTC on 9580 kHz, Sinpo was 34233, NHK World Radio Japan in English was heard on 11830 kHz between 14 to 1430 UTC, Sinpo 34333. Radio Japan in Hindi was heard between 1530 to 16 hour UTC on 9600 kHz and the SINPO rating was 44343. Radio Thailand in English was logged between 14 to 1430 UTC on 9390 kHz. SINPO 43433. KBS world radio in English is heard on 9785 kilohertz with k-pop numbers between 14 to 15 hours UTC the channel found to be disturbed by heavy qrm from CRI and friends with this i would like to conclude this edition of indian dx report on web scan i hope this information will be beneficial to you if you have any comments or suggestion on this DX capsule, or if you want to send me a reception report, please write to me at indianDXreport at gmail.com. That's indianDXreport at gmail.com. You can post me a letter to indianDXreport, Prasantha Nivas, Poop Bengal Pukhuri, Bailinfo Jorhat. Seven eight five zero zero one Assam, India. So until next time, stay safe with your loved ones. Bye bye, and 723 is from Assam.
0: Thank you, Pritharaj. And finally on the program today, we want to acknowledge some of the people who've been sending us reception reports recently, such as Mr. Norihiko Ide of Shinagawaku in Tokyo, Japan. He heard wave scan on five eight five O kilohertz from Okeechobee at ten hundred UTC. He said, I'm glad to report that in May we can listen to your program via WRMI on 5850 kHz in Japan. Here's a report from Pavel Ivanov in Belgorod, Russia. Herdway scanned at 0130 UTC on 9395 kHz from Okeechobee. Lee Sylvie in Mentor, Ohio in the United States listened to... Wavescan three different editions recently. He heard Wavescan on 9955 via Okeechobee at 2230 UTC and 9975 via KVOH in Los Angeles at 0200 UTC. And Alberto Canovai in Briegelo, Italy, heard Wavescan at 1130 UTC on 15770 kHz with a 55555 SINPO from Okichomi says my receiver is an SDR Play RSP1A with a mini-whip antenna. The place of my reception is Regello, which is 30 kilometers south of Florence, Italy. And we end today's Wave scan with the official song of the Maldives Open Surfing Competition. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, the story of Radio Malaya Singapore in two different countries from 1942, Australian shortwave call signs, VLV, and our Japan DX report. Several QSL cards are available for Wayscan. Send your AWR and KSDA reports to the AWR address in Bangkok, Thailand. Stand by for that. And also to the station your radio is tuned to, WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa or to IRRS Italy or to the AWR relay stations that carry Wayscan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air here in the program. They will also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSLs is qsl at awr.org. The postal address for AWR QSLs is Adventist World Radio, PO Box 234. Prakadong, that's P R A K A N O N G, Bangkok 10110, Thailand. That's Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakadong, Bangkok 10110, Thailand. The email address for other correspondence to Wavescan is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida, in the United States. Till next week, good listening, everyone.